continue our look at the fruit of the Spirit, I invite you to open your Bibles with me once again tonight to the book of Galatians and to the fifth chapter where we will read again verses 22 and 23. Galatians 5:22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. So, Father, we have sung of your faithfulness, and we pray that you would show your faithfulness to us now as we open your word, speak to us, help us to understand and to apply, to believe, to apply what you say, and produce in us, we pray, the fruit of faithfulness. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. There's a wonderful little detail in the book of 2 Kings about the accounting procedures that King Josiah chose not to put in place when he initiated a project in 2 Kings 22 to repair the temple in Jerusalem. Money was to be given to the overseers of the project so that they might pay the workmen, the carpenters, the builders, the masons who were working on the project, and also so that they might purchase the requisite materials So money was to be given to the foreman both for manpower and for materials, but with this interesting little caveat from the king in verse 7, only no accounting shall be made with them for the money delivered into their hands, for they deal faithfully. No accounting shall be made with them for the money delivered into their hands, for they deal faithfully. The overseers, the foremen, in other words, did not need to turn in timesheets or receipts from Home Depot or expense reports of any kind. They were simply to be trusted, rather, to handle the funds with integrity, to charge fairly, to bill accurately, to refund any overpayments, to compensate their men justly, to handle their own salaries honestly, and to ensure that what was being paid for really got done. And why? Why were these overseers to be trusted in this way? Why didn't Josiah's CPA need to gather paperwork on this project? Because King Josiah knew about these overseers, these foremen in 2 Kings 22.7, that they deal faithfully, that they were men of faithfulness. And that is what we are talking about tonight. And what is faithfulness? Well, let me answer under our first heading this evening a definition of faithfulness. A definition of faithfulness. What is faithfulness? Well, faithfulness is, for one thing, being true to what is right, to what is upright, which is what we see in these foremen in 2 Kings 22. They dealt faithfully in that they could be trusted to do what was right with the temple repair funds. So faithfulness is being true to what is right, and faithfulness also includes being true to your word, true to your responsibilities, 
true to your relationships. Faithfulness is being true to what is right, true to your word, true to your responsibilities, true to your relationships. Or we might take those four characteristics of faithfulness and put them like this. A faithful person is a high-integrity person, a trustworthy person, a reliable person, a loyal person. A faithful person is a high-integrity person, a person who is true to, a person who is committed to what is right. A faithful person is a trustworthy person, someone who is true to, someone who follows through on his word, his commitments. A faithful person is a reliable person, someone who is true to, someone who takes seriously her responsibilities. And a faithful person is a loyal person, one who is true to, one who is committed to the relationships in his or her life. All these things should be in our minds when we consider the fruit of the Spirit that is faithfulness. And that's the first thing this evening, a definition of faithfulness. But then let's look in the second place at some examples of faithfulness. Some examples of faithfulness. Those overseers in 2 Kings 22 are a wonderful example of the faithfulness of integrity. Josiah didn't need them to turn in any receipts because they dealt faithfully, because they were true to what was right. King David is also an example of the faithfulness of integrity in that twice he had the chance to do away with Saul and twice he refused to stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed. Twice he had the opportunity to get rid of this mad king who was out for his blood, and twice David refused to do what was not ethically right. David proved that Ahimelech, the priest, had been right when he said to Saul, who among all your servants is as faithful as David? And then we could think of Daniel in this same regard, in regard to the faithfulness of integrity. Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful, and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Daniel chapter 6. He was faithful. He did what was right. There was no corruption to be found in him. And then concerning the faithfulness of being trustworthy, of being true to your word, consider the example of David again, this time, how he vowed to his friend Jonathan in 1 Samuel 20, to do good to Jonathan's house, even when God cut off all of David's enemies. And consider how David kept that vow in 2 Samuel 9 by looking for and finding a survivor from the house of Saul, quote, that he might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. And how David kept his vow in 2 Samuel 21 in that when David handed over seven of Saul's descendants to be hanged for Saul's treachery against the Gibeonites, Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, was not among them. 
quote, the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the oath of the Lord which was between them, between David and Saul's son, Jonathan. David was faithful. He was trustworthy. He was true to his word. And then as we think about the faithfulness of reliability, of being true to one's responsibilities, we can think again of Daniel from that chapter 6 quote that I read to you a moment ago where we were told that no negligence was to be found in him. Not only was he not corrupt, but he wasn't negligent. He was doing what he was supposed to do ethically and in terms of his government responsibilities. Also, when we think about the faithfulness of reliability, of being true to one's responsibilities, we think of those slaves in Matthew 25, one of whom had been trusted with five of his master, entrusted with five of his master's talents and who stewarded the five into ten, and then another who had been entrusted with two of the master's talents and who turned those two into four. And remember what Jesus said to them both, or what in the story the master said to them both in Jesus' story, well done, good and faithful slave. They were faithful in that they reliably discharged the responsibility entrusted to them. Daniel was faithful in that way. These men in Jesus' parable were faithful in that way. They exhibited the faithfulness of reliability. And then think about Hosea in regard to the faithfulness of loyalty, in regard to being true to a relationship. Hosea going as a beautiful foreshadowing of Jesus and buying his wife back from her harlotry. Faithfulness, loyalty, even to one who had been so unfaithful and so disloyal to him. Or think of the faithfulness, the loyalty of Jonathan defying his mad, bloodthirsty father in order to be true to his friend David, in order to be faithful to that relationship. So we've considered a definition of faithfulness. Faithfulness is being true to what is right, true to your word, true to your responsibilities, true to your relationships. And then we've tried to add some color to that definition by looking at some examples of faithfulness. The examples of the foreman and of David and of Daniel who were true to what was right, who were men of integrity. The example of David who was true to his word, to Jonathan, who was trustworthy. The example of the slaves in Matthew 25 and of Daniel, again in chapter 6 of the book named after him. These men who were true to their responsibility, who were reliable. And we looked at the examples of Hosea and Jonathan who were true to their relationships, men of loyalty. And now in the third place, we need to consider the greatest faithfulness that is. So then, a definition of faithfulness, some examples of faithfulness, and now thirdly, God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. Know, therefore, Deuteronomy 7, 9, that the Lord, your God, He is God, the faithful God. The faithful God. He is the God, Psalm 146, who keeps faith forever. His faithfulness continues, Psalm 119, throughout all generations. And then that famous phrase that we will sing in just a little while, Great is 
your faithfulness. And concerning Christ, specifically we are told in Isaiah 11 that righteousness will be the belt about his loins and faithfulness the belt about his waist. He sits on a white horse, Revelation 19, and is called faithful and true. He is the faithful witness, Revelation 1.5. He is a merciful and faithful high priest, Hebrews 2. And he is, in Hebrews 3, a faithful son to his father. God is faithful. He is true to what is right. He is true to what is right. A God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he, Deuteronomy 32.4. God is a God of integrity, always true to what is right. He is the standard of what is right, of course, but he is always faithful. He is always true to his own standard. God is true to what is right, a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. And then he is true also, of course, to all his responsibilities. God is faithful in that he is reliable. Now, God's responsibilities, unlike many of ours, are not laid upon him from the outside. They are, rather, all of them responsibilities that he has taken upon himself. And he is faithful to every one of them, upholding all things by the word of his power, causing all things to work together for his people's good, causing the sun to rise on the evil and the good, sending rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then God is not only true to what is right and true to his responsibilities, but he is true, of course, as well to his word. He is faithful to his word. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Or Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? And so Joshua could say to the sons of Israel, you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. And so we are told concerning Sarah in Hebrews 11 that she considered him faithful who promised And we are urged in Hebrews 10 to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful to his word. He is true to his word. He is trustworthy. And then much is made in Scripture, too, about God's faithfulness to his relationships, about his faithfulness to his people. His loyalty to those who are in Christ. Now, God's relational faithfulness overlaps, of course, with his faithfulness to his responsibilities and his faithfulness to his word and even his faithfulness to always do what is right. 
for so many of the responsibilities that he's taken upon himself and so many of the words that he has spoken and certain of the things that he does in terms of his justice relate to the care of his people. And so all these types of God's faithfulness overlap, of course, but let's think specifically now about God's faithfulness to his people, about his being true to his relationships, about his loyalty to us who are in Christ. And let's begin in Deuteronomy 7, 9, to which I'll invite you now to turn. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. I've read from this verse twice now, tonight. Once, reading a portion of the verse, simply to emphasize that God is faithful in general. And then I read a portion of the verse a second time and read a little further on into the verse to emphasize that he is faithful to his word, to his covenant. But now let me read you the entire verse and urge you to notice the relational aspect of the verse as well. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. God's keeping of his covenant there in verse 9 not only highlights his faithfulness to his covenant words, but also his faithfulness to his covenant people, the people with whom he is in covenant. And then God's faithfulness to his covenant people, his faithfulness in relationship is underscored by the word loving kindness there in the verse. He is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness. That's a relational word, isn't it? And God is a relational God. He is loyal in his relationships. He is true to his relationships. He is faithful to his covenant people. And let me just read you some passages that speak of God's faithfulness to his covenant people. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you and he also will bring it to pass. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. God is faithful when we are tempted. God is faithful when we fall and confess. God is faithful to make us holy, we read in 1 Thessalonians 5. God is faithful to protect us. And God is faithful even when we are faithless. 
And he is faithful to his covenant people in every other way as well. Which prompts me just to pause here and ask you, are you one of his covenant people? Do you belong to Christ? Have you come to take refuge in the shelter of his wings? Oh, my friend, the God under whose wings I am urging you to seek refuge tonight is the faithful God, forgiving those who turn to him in Christ and sanctifying them, making them more like Christ and causing all things to work together for their good and ensuring that they will be without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So won't you turn to this God tonight and to his son in repentance and faith? He is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. Turn to him, I urge you, and come under his protection. Take refuge in the shelter of his wings. And now as we turn to think about faithfulness that must be display in be on display in our lives let us notice that god's faithfulness is the motive and example for ours god's faithfulness is the motive and example for ours for paul says in second corinthians 118 as god is faithful our word to you is not yes and no As God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. Paul in that that section of 2 Corinthians is talking about the faithfulness of his own words, that his words are not yes and no. And why aren't his words yes and no? Why are his words faithful? Because God is faithful, he says. As God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. As God is faithful, in other words, our word to you is faithful. The reason why we speak faithfully is because God is faithful. And I submit to you that should be our motive and example in all the realms of faithfulness that we've discussed tonight. We should be true to what is right because God is true to what is right. We should be true to our word because God is true to his word. We should be true to our responsibilities because that's what God is like. We should be true to our relationships because God is true to his relationships. As God is faithful, we should be faithful. And that brings us to our fourth heading now. We've talked about a definition of faithfulness and some examples of faithfulness and God's faithfulness. And now we need to think about our faithfulness. Our faithfulness. So just consider your own faithfulness in the four categories that we've been discussing this evening. Ask yourself, first of all, am I a man or woman, a boy or girl of integrity? Am I true to what is right? Does it show on my timesheet? Does it show on my tax return? Does it show in the integrity of my schoolwork? Does it show when the cashier gives me too much change? Or when I sell something on Craigslist? Am I the kind of person from whom King Josiah would have no need to require an accounting? Can people ask, or can people, excuse me, speak of me in some measure as the Bible speaks of my father? Righteous and upright is he? And then ask yourself, secondly, am I a trustworthy person? Am I true to my word? 
Do I follow through on the commitments that I make? Do I pray for the people that I say I will pray for? Do I show up when I say I will? Am I keeping my vows to my spouse and my covenant with the church? Is my word like David's word to Jonathan, my bond? Is my word like David's word to Jonathan before the Lord, my bond? Am I in some measure like my Father in heaven who speaks and who makes it good? Thirdly, am I faithful in that I am a reliable person? Am I true to my responsibilities? Do I pay my bills? Am I a good employee? Am I faithful to do my servant ministry roles at church? Am I doing what I should be doing to be a productive member of my family? Helping my parents, children, helping my wife, being a blessing to my husband. Am I faithful as a citizen? Am I like those good and faithful slaves with whatever talents God has given me? Am I in some measure like my reliable heavenly father? And then fourthly, ask yourself, am I loyal? Am I faithful? Am I true in my relationships? Do I forgive? Am I providing for my family like I should be? Am I keeping in touch with my friends like I should be? Do I pray for my family and my friends? Am I committed to the spiritual well-being of my wife and my children and my church family? Will I lay down my life for my wife? Am I, like Hosea, committed to relationships even when I've been wronged? Am I, like Jonathan, loyal even when it might be costly? And in some measure, like my faithful father and like his son, am I a person who, like Jesus, loved his own and loved them to the end? Am I faithful? You can think about it in those four categories we've been using tonight, or you can ask yourself about your faithfulness in these categories. Am I faithful to God, first of all? Am I loyal, committed, true to Him? How have I been unfaithful to Him in recent days, and will I repent and bring those sins to the foot of the cross and believe 1 John 1.9? And what do I need to do in my life to be more faithful to Him? And then, am I faithful in my home? Do I remember my marriage vows? Do you remember what you vowed? And do you, do you keep it? Am I giving to my children what God says they need from me? Am I giving children to my parents or adult children to my parents what God says I should give to them? Am I faithful at my church? Am I giving as I should? Am I praying for my brothers and sisters as I should? Am I serving as I should? Am I encouraging others as I should? And am I I steering clear of unfaithful acts like gossip and backbiting and so on? And then ask yourself, am I faithful at work? Am I on time? Am I hardworking? Am I a person of integrity in the office with the company's money and with the company's goods and with my own paperwork and timesheets and so on? Am I easy to work with? Am I faithful in my friendships to encourage, to pray, to check in on, to gently correct those whom God has given me as friends? 
Am I faithful as a citizen, praying for our nation and our state and our city, voting, obeying the government, governing authorities, not speaking evil of a ruler of your people, Acts 23.5? And am I a faithful witness, speaking for Christ as opportunities arise and looking for those opportunities? Faithfulness is such an important quality in the life of the Christian. My friend Charlie Schulte, speaking yesterday to our pastor's group right over here in this next room, pointed out the word faithful in 2 Timothy 2.2, where Paul wrote to Timothy, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So as Paul envisions the torch of discipleship being continually passed from one person to the next, he instructs Timothy to find faithful men to be a part of the process. And then five times in his epistles, Paul describes a leader, one of his associates in the ministry, with the adjective faithful. And so this was an important quality for Paul as discipleship happened from one person to the next and as he thought about what is required particularly for his ministry associates, for Christian leadership. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. And faithfulness is important for us all. Jesus calls it one of the weightier provisions of the law in Matthew 23. And Paul lists it, of course, among the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is not just for Christian leaders, but for all Christians. We all, if we are in Christ, have the Spirit, and we should all then produce the fruit of the Spirit. And since this attribute that we're talking about tonight, this faithfulness that we're talking about tonight is the fruit of the Spirit, then we should produce it. And since it is the fruit of the Spirit, since it is something that God himself works in us and not something that we must possess naturally or something that we must work up ourselves, since it is the fruit of the Spirit, we can produce it if we're in Christ. Isn't that good news? You can be faithful, my friend. You can be more and more like your Father and like his Son in this regard. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. And so even if you've been unfaithful, or even if you sometimes struggle with faithfulness in a certain area, if you have the Holy Spirit, you can be, by God's grace, by the Spirit's power working in your life, more and more faithful. So walk by the Spirit, Galatians 5.16, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, And instead, you'll produce the Spirit's fruit. And to induce you to do so, to encourage you to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit and produce this fruit of faithfulness, let me just read you a few blessings that are upon the faithful. The Lord preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Psalm 31, 23, the Lord preserves the faithful. Proverbs 28.20, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who makes haste to be rich will not go unpunished. A faithful man will abound with blessings. 
And then Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. Do you want to delight your heavenly father? Those who deal faithfully are his delight. And then this blessing of faithfulness in Matthew 25, 21, from that parable of Jesus, well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. Faithfulness is a part of our sanctification. And concerning that sanctification, we read earlier in the words of Paul, faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Concerning our salvation, I mean our sanctification, faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. So that God's faithfulness is not only the motive for our faithfulness, and not only the example for our faithfulness, but it is also the hope for our faithfulness, and the surety of our faithfulness. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. So, my friends, walk by the Spirit, and know concerning this particular fruit of faithfulness, and concerning all the other fruit of the Spirit as well, that faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass.